Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, Bigly Blast. We have become very skeptical and very cynical in this country. Easy access to information has convinced us that we know everything. And in a world full of scandal and misinformation, none of us dare to appear naive or foolish. But maybe all of this social media love being showered on Kyler Murray is not a conspiracy or a smokescreen before he's traded. Maybe it's 100% legitimate, real Cupid arrow kind of stuff. And maybe it's the key to everything. Because remember, Kyler Murray learned not to trust the previous regime. Remember how awkward it felt at the press conference celebrating his brand new contract? Of course you do, because there was no celebration at all. Remember all the contentiousness with his agent, Eric Burkhardt. Remember all the anonymous stuff that suspiciously leaked from the front office, stuff designed to point the finger at Murray and not at the head coach or GM. In the end, Murray saw all of it, and he was very right to have trust issues. Now, I guarantee some Cardinal fans will think this is soft, that Murray must need kid glove coddling, or maybe it's just smart business, like attending a statue ceremony in Oklahoma, because Murray trusted this regime and this offense to finally start taking snaps from under center, and as that trust grows, logic tells you, so will Murray's stature as a franchise quarterback. Not a bad plan, if you believe it, and clearly the best option the Cardinals have in 2024. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. I mean, the quarterback position, hey, it's it's a it's a hard position to evaluate. It is, and that's why, you know, I'd say the history of the draft is that there is there's guys that hit and there's guys that don't. And so, you know, when it comes to I think anytime we talk about the quarterback position, uh, anytime we talk about accuracy and decision making, those are gonna be the top of my list when it comes to a quarterback. So, you know, I think there's a lot of things that go into what makes a good quarterback quarterback, um, not only the on-field, but the off-field. Um, but, you know, I think that's why that position is such a challenging evaluation for a lot of people well, in the league. Monty Osenfort, the GM, talking in Indianapolis yesterday overall, how he evaluates the quarterback position, not specific to Kyler Murray. Now, he was asked another question on the quarterback position during that media session, Bick, and the question was, hey, uh, what does it feel like to be one of the teams that's not in need of a quarterback right now because of Kyler Murray's situation? I think it's a good position to be in. You know, I think uh, the way Kyler came back to the end of the year um, gave us all a lot of confidence. The, the way the offense hit their stride, both running the football, throwing the football, um, and just getting Kyler's health ha- uh, back to a point where he could use his legs, use his arms, do the things that we're accustomed to seeing. So, you know, I think um, as always, we're going to evaluate every position that comes in the draft, but, you know, no that Kyler is where he's at and not only where he's at, but getting better and seeing him work and progress the way he is. I think it's an exciting spot to be in. Now, yeah. Now, one of my takeaways watching and listening to Monty Austin Fort and Jonathan Gannon at the Combine in Indianapolis yesterday, and I wrote about it today on ArizonaSports.com, is just this feeling that kind of phase two has now begun for the Arizona Cardinals. That now now JG steps back, now Monty Austin Fort steps forward, and now he's got to really kind of take all these puzzle pieces that he has, all these 
these draft picks that he has, and, and he's he's got to make some stuff happen. You've got to really hit in this draft um, because of the expectations and because of what you're built on. And, and and there's a sense now that the that the owner has got to step up and spend money. I've seen various figures, but the Cardinals appear to have about fifty nine and a half million dollars of salary cap space. Uh, the salary cap has gone up, and this is the time to invest. And Michael Bidwell told us during his visit on Newsmakers that he intends on doing that, that it's going to be up to Monty to spend the money wisely. Okay, so we've got all that happening, and now you've got the quarterback piece. Uh, what's, what's interesting about Kyler Murray, and I think this is going to be uh, fundamental to everything, is how does Kyler Murray feel now that he's kind of proven he can play the game again? Uh, we we know what he did during rehab and was was top notch, elite. Was there every day? Um, worked at it. Maybe his return took longer than some people wanted, but once he returned, there was no hesitation. In fact, that first game back, we were all raving at about how he just let it rip. Mm-hmm. And and so the question now becomes: Okay, now that Kyler Murray has kind of eased that 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 belief, oh, can he? come back okay he did he proved he can and he proved he's a very good quarterback what what, what does this offseason feel like does it have the same um hunger and the same work first at all times approach i hope it does i suspect it does what you're hearing from the leaders of the team confirm that it does mm-hmm. but this stuff it, it motivation you, motiv- you don't get a badge that's that shows people how motivated you are it's internal it's intrinsic yeah, I mean, I think it, that's the way Kyler Murray needs to approach this offseason because he did get a lot of kudos, and rightfully so, for the way he handled that rehab. And it wasn't just you know the media stories, and it wasn't just the coaches. It was his teammates. And, and D.J. Humphreys talked about... Uh, and D.J. Humphreys has a unique perspective. He's been here Kyler Murray's entire career blocking for him, but they're going through rehab at the same time, and he saw the work that, that Kyler mm-hmm. put in. Uh, now the knee is sound, and like you said, Kyler Murray has proven again that he can play the game and he can make adjustments to that game while coming back from an injury. But that same hunger that he had in trying to get the knee right, that's what he needs to have in, in getting – even more acclimated yep. and entrenched in this offense. Yeah, exactly. It's internal. <laughs> Thank like you, Well, Yes, it's internal. Uh, do, you, do you think the bar is that we have to see the best Kyler Murray this season that we've seen so far in the NFL? That if we don't, that, we, that if we don't see the best version so far that we don't know what what the ceiling is if we'll, he'll ever get it. What is what? Well, let's establish what what is the best version we've seen of Kyler no, Murray. I, listen, Was it the I, ten I, and two yeah, start? Yeah, that I, that part of that. Yeah, season. no, I, I think I think even though you're kind of stumbling on your verbiage there, ferret. I think <laughs> I, I I think you're right on the no. I think you're right on the money. I think you're right on the money. This is the year Kyler Murray's got experience. Yeah. He's healthy. He's got an offense off that he can succeed in, and then he's got this whole off season to make it happen. This has got to be the superstar year for Kyler Murray, or it's not going to happen. That's what I was saying. But you're right on the money. I think that's exactly accurate, and and I hope that Kyler Murray sees that the same way. Yeah, uh, more basically, and he's going to have new toys to play with, too. And if the Cardinals do get Marvin Harrison Jr. at number four or a top-flight wide receiver, 
and Kyler Murray takes a step back, that might be all the impetus that this organization needs to, to move forward. And next year, we're not seeing those tweets well, coming from the social media department. So maybe this is a very cogent, smart plan to, okay, let's make sure we support Kyler Murray in everything, from social media posts to statue unveilings to everything. Showing up at his birthday party. Right. right. We don't want Watching him to- his dog. <laughs> well, no, it's true. We don't want him to have any excuses why he didn't succeed this and, season. And right, and then then you build the perfect ecosystem around him. Uh, I mean, there have been rumblings that the Cardinals are going to go wide receiver tackle, and I'm assuming it's offensive tackle. It might be defensive tackle, but my point is, is if they do that, they are clearly building everything around him to take out all variables, to give him 100% comfort level. Because mm-hmm. with 100% comfort level, you would and a very good offensive system. You would think the Cardinals have enough quarterback. That's what he's got to prove this year. Yeah, you would think. Coming up next, the uh, Phoenix Suns getting ready to take the court tomorrow night against the Houston Rockets. When will we see Bradley Beal joining his teammates? That and more Suns talk straight ahead here on Bickley Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey everybody, it's Burnsy Fobol. He's got the Suns faithful behind him, and he's played well enough to keep getting key minutes. How can he maintain this high level of success? It's the Burns and Gambo Show, 2-6 to six on Arizona Sports. Balance the rest and recovery uh, while staying sharp and in rhythm. You know? So you know, today was probably the, the most intense practice uh, that we'll probably have the rest of the year. Uh, but just to take advantage of staying, staying in rhythm, uh, getting their cardio up, you know, keeping, keeping their conditioning high. Uh, so we did do, do some live, live courses of practice today in short doses. And then, um, you know, trying to use this as an opportunity to build some of our uh, our packets. You know, uh, what we're doing defensively. We did some zone defense stuff today. We got some to work with that. Uh, some end-of-game stuff, some fourth-quarter offensive execution. And it's just some areas we can do our time. Frank Vogel, the head coach of the Suns, of practice yesterday, as you could hear from the... Changing the energy up. Thank you. Appreciate it. What's wrong with the psychedelic fur? Nothing. Oh, see? You even knew the band. Listen, but the music isn't for us. It's for our listeners who need energy, who want to be up and rolling. I disagree. I know you do. We'd be listening to Depeche Mode all morning if it were up to you. Or ACDC on every song of the day. (laughs) No, I... I, I'm just joking. Who is this? Do we know? It says Power Man 5000. Oh, I remember that band. Yeah, this is what this is what you need to give the people in the morning. Ferret face melting guitar riff. Yes. What's the difference between a riff and a lick, Dick? <laughs> a, a lick is generally a, a a guitar line inside the structure of a song. A riff is generally the 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 very the guitar line that begins the song. That is the the mark of the song. And then the melody would be the vocal, the lyric as delivered by the singer. A riff can sometimes happen in the middle, like a solo. Mm-hmm. Or is that is that considered no, a riff too? It can be, but but a riff generally in guitar parlance is the the signature guitar structure that is the foundation of the song that kicks off the song. Like think of any Zeppelin song. Jimmy Page is basically the the founder of the great rock riff. Well, not the founder, but but he took it to a different level. So there you go. I found this highly educational. Okay, and we wouldn't we have go. had this discussion. If Jared didn't play the psychedelic first. <laughs> wow, I had no Yeah. Come on, Ferret. And it all comes full circle. 
Richard Butler from the Psychedelic Furs co-wrote many of the songs on Depeche Mode's latest album. Oh, Boom! There Boom! There you go. Okay. <laughs> and he doesn't have a mustache. Mm. <laughs> you win again. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell are we talking about? Basketball. Uh, uh, the Phoenix uh, Suns. I woke That's up Frank this Bumble morning. How, they, how they've been using that time yeah, off. No, no. I woke up this morning and I, I was once again so thankful that DeAndre Ayton was not a member of the Phoenix Suns. Did you see what he did against the Miami Heat? So Kevin Love is uh, mm-hmm. uh, under the basket waiting to take a charge from DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton decides to jump right in into him, but unlike a seven-footer with seven-foot-four wingspan with a real serious aggression, instead of swooping in and dunking on Kevin Love's head, he throws the ball up in a finger roll while contorting his body around so his back lands into Kevin Love. It's one of the softest things I have ever ever seen him do and i've seen a lot from that guy thank you for trading him and that's the play you got hurt on right it's yes yeah so he's out for turning his body around at the rim so he can land into the guy chauncey billups the head coach of the blazers did use the word dominating though to describe deandre first half play oh yeah i know that 14 points per game Oh, he's just killing it this year, man. Fourteen, yeah. <laughs> fourteen points a game. Did he get hot lately? I didn't even know he was that hot. Yeah, fourteen. Yeah. Bull Bull is giving the Suns better numbers than DeAndre Ayton. He's giving the Suns numbers that DA used to give the Suns. Now, granted, the sample is very small, and but the we'll per forty-eight where minutes the, is where the Bull 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 is going. Uh, did you hear what Devin Booker said about Bull Bull yesterday? Yeah, I just, you know, it's something that none of us have seen before. So, you know, I'm sure it's kind of tough to scout for. You know, he has intangibles that, you know, you create on a video game. Um, And, you know, he can do a little bit of everything out there. He's been working hard all year and he's taking advantage of his opportunity. Bull, 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 bull. Yeah. <laughs> who would have thought that Bol Bol would be so different than his reputation coming here? And who would have thought that Grayson Allen would become so popular? That's true. The, the other day, ESPN's Hot Take Show recognized Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen has done a lot for his career this year. Yes. Who would have thought that on February 28th, we'd be as uh, talking about the Phoenix Suns, we'd have more ex- general excitement about Bol than Beal. It's true. I was just going to say that. Point. The Grayson Allens and Bull Bulls of this team have become far more fan favorites than the super duper star that they signed, that they traded for in the offseason to be a big three member. Which is disappointing because, as we pointed out earlier, Bradley Beal was really starting to hit his stride. Yeah. And yeah. was starting to, I think, get really comfortable in that role of mm-hmm. not being the go-to guy on every possession, not the guy that had to score on every possession, but chipping in when it, you know, it was really needed. Uh, and you know, this does this stunt this injury? Does it oh. stunt that growth? Maybe we'll find out. But and and you're right because the times that he did play when he was on the floor, then he would be interviewed after games, and then people got to see, oh, this guy's got a really really fun and engaging personality. Mm-hmm. But you don't play, you're not on the podium. Yeah, and people only see you in street clothes mm-hmm. and they get frustrated yes, by it. Yes, that's exactly right. But, I, I mean, we, this came up in the Rush Hour reboot. As difficult as it is, I think the Suns need to really trust, A, their medical staff, and B, listen to what Bradley Beal is saying about his condition. Because... 
Let's say he appeases everybody, comes back tomorrow night or Saturday night against Houston, tweaks mm-hmm. it again. Now you're talking about an extended yeah. absence where it's going to affect your availability for the postseason. What no. have you done? You've just you've just hampered your own chances to do anything in the postseason. They're, yeah, listen, they're, they're not I, – I, I think they're well beyond the idea of appeasement. I think this basketball team I has agree. learned hard lessons that way. Remember Devin Booker earlier in the year wanted to play that marquee game and – Darren probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think they're not going to be thinking in those terms. If they were thinking in those terms, uh, maybe they would have tried to push to get him back already. But but this is a guy that we were led to believe he was ready to come back eight days ago. Yeah, from the head coach himself. Right. Uh, Devin Booker spoke on Bradley Beal yesterday and kind of uh, compared it to his own experiences coming back from hamstring injuries. I'm just saying getting over the mental hurdle of, you know, it's a it's an injury that, you know, you feel it on one step and, you know, you don't know when that step's going to be. So, you know, just getting in some real type of contact, taking bumps and, you know, just playing. That, that, like you mentioned, like that full court situation where you where you're moving and you're against other people. Is that the crossing hurdle for you in terms of the hamstring? Yeah, I mean it's just you know not having to think about it and you know do whatever you know your body wants instead of you know thinking about it the whole time. It's kind of cruel when you think about it because these athletes now are so well conditioned. Mm-hmm. They have such great sports science in their corner. And stretching techniques and nutrition and everything mm-hmm. that they're still susceptible to pulling a muscle. Like if I went out and shot baskets right now, I'd pull something. But I'm not a finely tuned athlete. <laughs> it's so frustrating. Uh-huh. These guys, their whole life I know. Is, is is being in condition. They get paid to be in shape, I know. basically. I know. That's right. That's exactly right. Uh, one other note on Bull Bull. I saw this for the first time. I haven't seen it inside the arena yet. I'm, I'm sure that will change. But leaving the arena on Sunday, there was uh, somebody walking north on 7th Street from the game wearing a Bowl Bowl jersey. Is that right? Yeah. I don't know if they're available. I, I, I suppose they're available in the team shop. I haven't been in there Right in next a while. to the Josh Dobbs <laughs> uniform? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, listen, and again, I, I think that his level of popularity before we saw him play was a little bit... Um, Inexplicable to a lot of people. What what about him appeals to so many players? There was um there was somebody who back in the day when Sammy Sosa was was you know not um a freak shall I say? <laughs> uh, people would say that that the alliteration in his name it sounded like a cartoon character. It was part of his appeal with the younger generation. Sammy Sosa. It just sounded. It is know, a good name. Yeah. And same with Bowl Bowl. You can't get more alliterative than that. You can't get more alliterate than Bowl Bowl. You want a really, really stupid dose of Vinnie Joe trivia? Sure. Yes. In the Suns' entire history, there's only been three players that have had the initials BB. Two of them are on the team right now. Who is the third? Bradley Beal. Are you counting Buda Baker? He didn't play for the Suns. (laughs) Oh, I thought you said Cardinals. I'm sorry. I did say Suns, didn't I? You did say Suns. Okay, my bad. The hell Bradley Beal, Bull Bull, and another great name. Oh. Bismack. Oh. Also recently. Yeah. All of them in the last two years. Mm. Barles Barkley, you forgot. Yeah. <laughs> 
Wow, that's yeah, it's all very, I, very recent. I told you it was a really stupid edition of Vinny Joe Trivia. <laughs> Coming up next, uh, we'll we'll wash off the stupid. We'll talk about the latest from the NFL Combine. Are any of the top prospects going to do anything while they're in Indianapolis? Can we'll Jared just wash off? Period. <laughs> we'll wash off the stupid. Just you, just take a bath, Ferret. Spickly and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local <laughs> sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. If we go down that road, um, I want to do right by Justin as well. Uh, no one wants to live in gray. Um, I know that's uncomfortable. I wouldn't want to be in that situation either. So uh, we'll gather the information. We'll move um, as quickly as possible. We're not going to be in a rush um, and see what presents itself and what's best for the organization. That is Ryan Poles, the GM of the Chicago Bears, who have the number one pick in this year's NFL draft coming up in April. Lots of speculation on what they'll do at the quarterback position. Do they move on? From Justin Fields via the mm. trade, go with Caleb Williams, and there's that. So there's that cloud of mystery. Then the other cloud of mystery is around Caleb Williams himself as the presumed number one overall pick. There seems to be some people wondering about what he, what he, you know, in, engage in a power play and say, right. Chicago, don't draft me. I'm not coming there. Uh, Ryan Poles was asked about that in Indianapolis yesterday. No, no, no concerns about that at all. I, I would love to know why if that was the case. Like I said, I think. Um, as a young quarterback, and I've been around it, the infrastructure is important, and I think we've made really good progress in terms of having really good infrastructure for whoever were to come in or if, if Justin were to stay here as well. I mean, it all centers there, doesn't it? If Caleb Williams comes out and says he's going to be difficult or mm -hmm. create some difficulty, which has been speculated for uh, speculated on for a long time, going back to even before the 2023 season began, mm -hmm. when it was the Cardinals who were supposed to have the number one overall pick, and everybody said, well, he can just go back to school. And even his own father suggested he could go back to school. Well, he's in the draft, but he mm -hmm. could still pull a power play. Uh, I'm real curious to see how this shakes out because I think I don't think we're gonna have to wait till April for this to shake out. No, either. no, and it, and it really does sound to me like the Bears just want to find out that they're not going to be embarrassed that they're that they're going to be able to take Caleb Williams and, and have him be a willing participant. Now, I heard some people say yesterday, "Oh, forget what he wants, just draft him anyways. He doesn't have a say in it." Well, yeah, yeah, he kind of does if if he wants to really go down that jerk path lane. Right, mm -hmm. you can do that. It's a. It would be a, a horrible mistake for a rookie to once again tell the NFL how to do its business. To tell the NFL, I'm too good for that franchise and that franchise and that franchise. And by the way, if it's the franchise is one of the pillars of the National Football League from a historic standpoint. Indeed. Indeed. And that stuff matters. And and so uh, so if Caleb Williams is thinking of flexing some way to get to Washington instead because he believes in Cliff Clingsbury, if he really believes that and he's from that area, if that's really what he wants to do, then then he would be smart to affect that in, in ways that would be smart. Where Washington would have to trade up a spot, mm -hmm. give the Bears some relief, and then allow them to go that way.
Yeah, in terms of the timetable, when could Chicago make a decision, actually make something public? Ryan Poles uh, addressed that. Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> no, in all seriousness, though, before no, free agency? Or, I would love to know as soon as possible. Right. I, mean, I mean, I would love to know, um, but I know that's not how the process works. Um, you know, there's sure before free agency would be good. Like I said, I'm also taking, um, you know, if we were to do something with Justin, like I want to do right by him. Yeah, every year the draft is interesting. Uh, three top quarterbacks near the top of the, probably the first three picks as everybody's projecting it right now. None of them, Caleb Williams, Drake May, mm. or Jaden Daniels is doing anything on the field in Indianapolis. So what the NFL Combine is becoming is... <laughs> An exercise for those who want to raise their stock, or at least chance it, yeah, to raise their yeah. stock. And, and I think in the case of Jaden Daniels, I, I think I think NFL people have to just kind of see him up close and personal, and just see, okay, what do you look like? Because clearly, the the build of Jaden Daniels, the slightness of build, I, I think that kind of applies to JJ McCarthy as well. JJ McCarthy's a tall kid, but there's not a there's not a lot of pro- proverbial meat on that bone. No, he's listed at like just over two hundred pounds. Yeah. Yeah, so if you if you were in, you would have to worry. Okay, is this like Matt Leinart? Is this guy gonna snap? You know, uh-huh. is this guy is this guy gonna be prone to shoulder clavicle injuries? Because there's just not a lot there. I don't know. I mean, I would have questions about both those guys. I'm just I, again, I I can't watch Jaden Daniel highlight films without wondering just what could have been had he just not only been part of a program that hadn't jumped the rails. But just received really good coaching here. I, it, isn't that a fail on some level? On every level. <laughs> on some level. Yeah. There's, yeah. There's, uh, yes. Thank you for saying that because look, there's just so like, much what? that went wrong at Jaden Daniels' time in Tempe. Let's just say. I know. I know. And that, and that even bleeds over into this investigation that apparently is still going on. <laughs> I mean, if it was in a running what are they race, investigating. If it was in a running race against a sloth, a snail, and a glacier, the NCAA investigation <laughs> well, would be running last. <laughs> the out of metal contention. Yeah, right. That's funny. Um, yeah. So you got still that. under inve- they, their whole investigation was handed to them in a Manila envelope. Yeah. <laughs> what a joke. Uh, so there's the, the yeah, draftees. Yeah. There's also these other veteran quarterbacks. And every year, I, it, that's one of the best things of, of the offseason is speculating on where the veteran quarterbacks land because the carousel is going to spin. Mm-hmm. I think the most intriguing name on all of it is Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins has never been my favorite quarterback, but it's hard to deny what he means to a team, how tough he is, how productive he is, what he plays through. Um, and the Vikings have a decision to make. And there's some people speculating that earlier this week, Kirk Cousins posted a video of him working out on a tennis court. He's coming back from the Achilles injury. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so I think it was Adam Schefter who said he wouldn't be doing this if negotiations with the Vikings were going well. Like, he's trying to get it out there that he's healthy enough to play somewhere. That's a good I, and point. And I think somebody's going to get themselves a really sturdy professional quarterback. I don't know if he's, he's good also, enough to win at all. He's also clearly the most expensive option of guy out there if you were looking to bring a, a different kind of quarterback. Yeah, and I've seen, right. I've, in, in terms of free agent rankings lists, like who's the best free agent, Chris Jones is number one on everybody's list. I've seen Kirk Cousins as high as two on a wow. lot of them. So, yeah, it, it's going to cost you a pretty penny even though he's coming back from the injury. Yeah. Maybe there'll be a little bit of a discount for that, but... 
Well, you know, it, I wouldn't and, doubt Kirk Cousins coming back from an injury. That guy is really tough. Well, and so so look at so look at a team like the Bears. That would Kirk Cousins in Chicago be a good idea? That would free them up to use that pick or trade that pick away, and then. If you've got the money, you, you know you're going to get a pretty good quarterback. And I always love it, too, when a veteran quarterback goes to a new team and that entire team's fan base who's hated you for your entire for career has to root for you. I mean, we saw it with Brett Favre in Minnesota. Yeah. True. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's Kirk Cousins, some people think that he would look good in Pittsburgh. But, again, you know how the Steelers are. They don't like to get sideways in terms of money on they 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 they've got like salary slotted for every position on a football field and they do not like to get out of that lane. So I don't know. I th- I think the Russell Wilson to Pittsburgh makes a lot of sense. Some people think Russell Wilson to Vegas makes a lot of sense. I it's going to be it's going to be fascinating. Some people think Russell Wilson to the USL makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up next, we'll tell you more of what uh, Monty Osenfort and Jonathan Gannon had to say as the uh, Cardinals participating in the Combine in Indianapolis. That is uh, coming up here on Bickley Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey, it's Gamble. Monty Osenfort and Jonathan Gannon remain committed to building around Kyla Murray. What areas need to be prioritized in this pivotal offseason? We'll discuss on today's Burns and Gambo show, 2 to 6, on Arizona Sports. Yeah, I think roster construction in general, um, it comes in various forms. It comes in forms throughout the season. And just so happens that two of the biggest times to add to our roster come back-to-back here between free agency and the draft. So, you know, I think whatever you're talking about, whether you're talking about spending money in free agency, spending draft capital, um, it's a commitment. And once you commit to one area, whether it's financially or with a high draft pick, it takes you out of doing that to another area. And so, you know, I think any time that we can add talented players, players that we fit, that we think fit us both culturally and on the field, like we're going to investigate every avenue to do that, no matter how that comes about. It's General Manager Monty Austin Ford of the Cardinals yesterday at the scouting combine in Indianapolis as the fun gets started on the field tomorrow with the different positional workouts. The high-profile guys, the mm-hmm. ones that everybody likes to watch, quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, those guys will be uh, Saturday. Uh, but a lot of the big names not participating. But uh, Monty Osenfort talking about structuring their roster. We talked to Monty about that during Newsmakers Week, and um, you get the feeling, Bick, that he feels empowered, and, and Michael Bidwell confirmed this as well uh, on mm-hmm. our show, that he should feel empowered to go out and improve this roster. And it was never officially said, but you were on it from an early stage last year. You know, kind of a gap year, get your feet wet kind of year. Um, you know, there was a lot of house cleaning that went on yes. for the Arizona yes. Cardinals in terms of personnel, mm-hmm. both on the roster and in the coaching staff. They're bringing back their entire coaching staff intact. I'm not sure any team can make that claim. Wow. Yeah. And if there are other teams, there's there's not many that can make that claim. Right. And and they've continued to pare down and, and weed out some guys in the in the personnel department. Uh Drew Grigson is gone, yeah, Quentin, Quentin Harris, Harris is, is gone. gone. So so it's truly becoming the Monty Austin Ford show, and I think we all feel good about that. And 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 I hope that this draft, I hope that that is what we all kind of feel when the draft is all said and done. I hope we're like, wow, did we get lucky? We got a GM who really knows the stuff. Uh his predecessor, one of the 
issues, one of the many issues um, over the tail end of, of his predecessor's regime in Arizona was that it seemed like the plan always changed from one year to the next. There was no real, okay, this is what we're building. It was just, okay, who's out there? What can we try this year? Mm-hmm. And, and it, and it kind of feels at least like there's some coherency. And so, and this is the draft to, 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 to ace, if you will. You've got six picks in the first 90. There's a lot of good football players in the first 90 taken in an NFL draft. Cardinals got six of them, mm-hmm. and they might acquire more. Three of the first 35. There uh, you go. One of the phrases you'll hear a lot, too, if you monitor what's going on with all 32 teams at the Combine, is you'll hear a lot of general managers and coaches say, well, our goal is to find players that really love the game. Mm-hmm. They love football. They eat, breathe, they sleep football. Yep. Um, Jonathan Gannon, the head coach of the Cardinals, was asked a question yesterday. How, how is, what is your process to determine if someone truly loves the game? A lot of different ways to do it. I don't have any secret sauces, but I'm not going to give you that answer. <laughs> you, you, honestly, your daily habits. Daily habits. Um, you know, I call it winning behavior. Can you display winning behavior consistently day after day after day? And uh, we have ways to define that. Um, but, uh, and, you know, it's not a perfect science. So we, we know that. But, uh, you know, I think we got a good enough people in the building that know how to find that information out, starting with our scouts, our road scouts. have done a great job of giving us kind of the background of these guys for the course of, you know, one, two, three, four years, even dating back to high school. It's kind of wild. Um, but uh, they've done a really good job with that. And then we'll take all that information and then we'll talk to them and talk to them some more and talk to them some more and then put the card in, Monty. I am fascinated by this process. Uh, a lot of the combine we get to see, if you choose to watch it, you can, mm-hmm. but it's all the physical stuff. A lot of people around the league will tell you, the interviews are by far the most important element to all of, of what they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the, the workouts are good. You can open some eyes that way, and then the rest of it is is just tape evaluation. But the part that I've always wanted to see, the part that I'm mm-hmm. fascinated by, is what Jonathan Gannon is talking about. Getting to know the players as human beings, how they fit into what you want to do, if they truly love football. Do you wonder, in the long history of the NFL Combine, if that question ever came up to a prospect? Do you love the game? And no, not really. Well, <laughs> Do you think anybody's ever answered? Honestly? Here's here's what the big changes as where the big changes occurred in the last five to ten years is there are now services and people that are paid to prep these guys for these interviews. So now it becomes how do you pierce that? How do you pierce through the BS and the canned answers and all the stuff that they've had an advisor? advise them on right Mm -hmm. and and so i've heard that i've heard they'll do things as crazy as put a kid in the middle seat on an airplane to see if he complains that's a good one anything at all to kind of you're right how do you react they prep them like they're prepping for like a political debate that's right so they give them all the questions they'll probably be asked so they'll they'll have an answer for all those questions right so how do you get to the real person how do you get to the real person how do you pierce everything that they've been taught to say and every way they've been taught to act because now it becomes a cat and a mouse game and that's and monty osenfort um kind of referred to that when he sat down with us he talked about okay you've got to watch them on tape and then gauge that against what they say. And if it lines up, okay, maybe you got some. Yeah. If there's some gaps, then you got 
You got somebody who's flinging the BS. Sure. Well, one question they could ask. Is your mom a hoe? I mean, that's one way to... (laughs) Those are the questions that become headlines Mm. when those players are not prepared by whatever service or whatever process they're using to get ready for those interviews. Hey, you didn't tell me that question was coming up. I didn't know how to answer. I just, again, like when you look at some of the high-profile guys in recent years, and Johnny Manziel's been in the news again lately, and I remember having the discussions with you about the, uh, I think it was the 2014 draft, Johnny Manziel. You were all in on Johnny Manziel. Other people were. He went number, what was it, 24 to the Browns, I think he lasted, and his career was famously short. He was not a player who loved football. And he's even still talking about it. I don't know if you saw any excerpts of his, his podcast with uh, Shannon Sharp. It was, it, it's an amazing, I watched the documentary and he was going even further than that. Mm-hmm. That guy just didn't care. <laughs> and he fooled an NFL team into picking them. How about it? <laughs> How about it? But he didn't fool 29 other t- like but it, dude, what, what, he did have that reputation team, yeah what, what's weird about it and he describes this on the podcast he redshirted his freshman year at Texas A&M mm-hmm. and when he was done he said I was looking at transferring I was done with football I hated it I was looking at transferring to TCU to go play baseball that's how bad it got and his parents staked him with money to go work, to go to San Diego and work with a quarterbacks coach, George Whitfield, who's a famous quarterbacks coach. And from that time, from the end of his fresh redshirt freshman year, he was fourth on the depth chart. He went and worked with Whitfield in San Diego, came back, and within 11 days of his next camp, he was named the starter as a redshirt freshman. Wow. Because he actually put the work in, and that might have been the last time he, he did. He actually put work in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's good stuff. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's, it, it's fascinating because again, I I don't I don't think you'll find maybe Major League Baseball because there are examples, uh, Anthony Rendon being one of them of guys that don't like that sport. But the NFL seems to me to be the 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 sport that's the most dangerous. The sport where getting to know if a guy really loves to play the game, it might not be normal to love to play the sport of football. No. And it's also the sport where if you're not giving 100% out there, it affects a lot of other people oh, and can yes. be very dangerous. Yeah, but right. I know, I know I've, I've talked to former a former player specifically, and he, he flat out admits it. I didn't love it. I was yeah. good at it. I did it because it, it paid well. Mm-hmm. Ron Wolfley might be the all, example right. on the other side. But we all know Wolf's out of his mind. Wolf, so, would, right. Wolf would still, if, <laughs> if you gave him a helmet and the proper ah! pads, he'd go play right oh, now. Right. We yes. saw when, those new, when that new black Cardinals helmet came in, he broadcast like two segments just while wearing it. Yeah. Because he loved the feeling of being in a helmet again. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's definitely in the minority. I do wonder with the way millennials and then now Generation Z mm-hmm. has sort of been raised and the way that they're sort of feel about themselves, if we're going to see more admissions of younger athletes saying that they don't truly love the sport that they're playing. Not, I oh, mean, wait. not as long as the salaries keep going. I mean, we have li- what, literally what is, the, what the best way the way generation feel, about, feel about it. So, so you had the yeah. same question what, I did. Yes, what does that mean? The, Elaborate. And that they're they're more willing to sort of like tell people that they don't want to work hard and quiet quit uh, and all that stuff. Meanwhile, yeah, the, the, the best the, player yeah. in the NBA right now openly admits that he doesn't like playing basketball in the Kola Jokic. Well, no, it's not that he doesn't like it. He looks at it as a job. 
I don't think he doesn't True, but like the game. Other, He's just willing to admit he has other things going in on. In other eras, you want that but to be like their whole leap. life. That's kind of a leap to see. He didn't want to go to a parade. He wanted to go home and watch the horses. Yeah. <laughs> Let me rephrase it's, it. It's a spectrum, right? It's not It's not one or the With other. With the young generation, the life, life balance is very big for sure. younger generations compared to older generations who threw themselves into their work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, the younger generation realize it's a colossal waste of time. Correct. They're on to the scam. No one's going to look out for you like you look out for you. <laughs> that being said, I'm a millennial, so I will be going now. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Bye. Sarah, do you, love, do you love this job? I'd say I like it. <laughs> I think I like it. But do you like like it? I do. <laughs> Coming up next, Sarah will take us through some social studies here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.